All right, so I'm trying to decide whether I should talk about the fact that Nintendo's Switch is being emulated already so much better than the actual hardware. It's crazy. It's or crazy. or if I should talk about the Xbox Series S that I got that I'm I'm really interested in just figuring out the dev mode so I can run some emulators on it. So So you got an Xbox S? I did. Wow. So which, which should we should should we cold open with? <laughs> I I you know, let's go well, let's go with the Switch, just because okay. you know, as you know, even in our last podcast, I had really started playing with some of the two different emulators that are out there and uh on my portable little gpi3 uh windows you know uh what is it it's an i7 so you know it's a it's a pretty intense little machine but you know i i couldn't believe how well uh dread played um i i just tested out one of the new Pokemon games, uh, one of the new, uh, new, but old releases. Yeah. Uh, I tested out Pearl, uh, and, uh, it's amazing, but yeah, you, you tell me your opinion on this. Cause I, I was totally excited last month and now it's, it's, it's getting so much better already just in the last month. It it's, I just, I just wanted to say like, that I'm just I'm really amazed at how good open source people f- freely working on this stuff in their own time are able to make things that for no profit doing it just for fun. Yeah, I mean some of them are like have patreons or whatever, but like sure, sure. But like you know these are just like people on their uh, as a side gig doing side this gig. thing, good and they're point. making they're making things that can run the game's better than the hardware it's built for yeah by like double and yeah upscaling the whole works i mean and it really i mean it just i don't know i don't have much to say about it other than i'm like blown away that like yeah you were saying diamond and pearl um remakes on the on the switch like a few days after they came out are running at like 60 fps 4k upscaling and the switch runs them at 72060. Um, yes. Yeah. And, or sorry, 72030, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, 30, you're right. Uh, which is, I, I don't know. I don't have anything to say about it other than that's, it's amazing. that's incredible. It it's amazing. It is. I know. I, I feel, I feel the same way. I feel like there's just, uh, I'm just kind of blown away with all the things that are, uh, you know, uh, coming out right now things that are uh new possibilities you know we kind of talked about like the raspberry pi zero two that came out mm-hmm. uh is that what it is uh raspberry, raspberry pi zero i bet you it's w2 because it is it's... w2 because of the wireless yeah. that's correct the w2 uh you know i i have one of those uh gpi retro flag cases which, by the way, uh, uh, RetroArch, no, not RetroArch, but uh, uh, shoot, I can't remember it. What, sadly, it's like my least favorite of the Pi arcade or uh, emulation OSs that are out there right now, uh, which is probably why I can't remember it. But 
they updated it and it's working. So I, I'm super excited that uh, it works really good. Uh, I can play, uh, I was playing Cowboy Bebop, the Japanese import, and it was just smooth, it just smooth. Obviously, it doesn't have the dual analog controller, so you're, you're kind of limited to the, some of the PlayStation games. But honestly, it's, it's a little Game Boy looking unit, so you know, you're not going to be playing a lot of, a lot of other, uh, a lot of games that require those kind of types of controls, but the fact that it can is amazing in this portable little device. Uh, the other thing with RetroPie, or excuse me, Raspberry Pi that I'm excited about is that if you have a Pi 4 second generation, so there's actually two generations, unfortunately, the very early one, and then the second generation added some more efficient uh, uh, memory to CPU tracks that allowed, and I, I'm using very unofficial words here, clearly, but it, uh, they decided that, like the Pi 400, that it could be opened up to uh, 1.8 gigahertz instead of 1.5. So with the new OS that's out there, Buster, you can download it and it'll automatically take a look and see if you've got the correct version and it'll reset it to do anywhere from, you know, 900 megahertz to the 1.8 gigahertz. You know, it, it, uh, it uh, does its own little Oh shoot! What, what do you call that? Uh, Underclocking and overclocking? Uh, yeah, just its we own could, clocking. Yeah. Own clocking. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, and uh, for uh, emulation systems, that's awesome. You know, yeah. that extra three hundred megahertz is a pretty big deal. In fact, most people are already overclocking it to a clean two gigahertz. A, you know, a red. That's just amazing to Whoa. me that this thirty-five dollar. You know. Uh, little board can run at two gigahertz and of course run a ton of great emulation software. So uh, once again, it's very exciting. Uh, yep. Pause as my rice cooker tells me that my <laughs> rice is completed. All right. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. No, I no worries. forgot to turn that off. Uh, Lastly, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and then wait, wait, we'll get to your Xbox S, is oh, yeah, that's the, right. sorry, is this little guy right here. Yes. And it, it is the Legend of Zelda uh, Nintendo Pocket Watch game. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I used to play those old LCD games that the, were just. Yeah, the totally, Game and Watch. The Game and yeah. Watch, the original Game and Watches, they were just. They were so simple, of course. They were, you know, but they were fun, you know, for especially for a kid to have a portable video game back then. That was amazing. But of course, now we can, now I can emulate the original Legend of Zelda, Zelda Two, and even a Game Boy Zelda, all on this unit. It comes with all those games, uh, and of course, they run just awesome. And uh, yeah, I just think they're just really cute. They're really fun. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to collect 
all of them. I'm sure they're going to be making more. I do have the Mario one, but this was the one I had to have. You know, if they make a Metroid one, that would be the other one I would want to buy. But the other thing that I really like, and it's just a cute little thing they did, is on the back, they made it so that the lights from the uh, screen light up uh, a little triangle. So it's got the the four mm. triangles of Zelda, the three lidded ones, and then the one in the center. And uh, it's just really cute. Oh, like uh, like uh, like Apple used to do with their MacBook uh the apple logo that's right it just kind of lights up like that exactly and it's just it's just there you know they didn't do that with mario but it's just a, it's just a really cute little gaming system and it feels great in your hand it's fun to play yes you only have a couple games but the fact that they even decided to uh do you know not only zelda but the other zelda 2 and and the Game Boy game. I think it's pretty cool of them to do that. Yeah. And you also get a very LCD looking original Game Watch game. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, those are some of the fun things that I just think have just really been excited, just even in the last month since we've talked. Uh, and there's so much more that I'm sure we'll talk about in this podcast. But uh, yes, sorry. Well, Tell me no. about your Xbox. Well, that's, that's a great actually point. Let's, let's intro. I, I, we should, uh, Mm. We should mention that uh, my name is Dylan. This is Matt. And this is the Retro Resolutions podcast. And so today our main topic I thought we could cover is our favorite emulators and the features that we enjoy most about emulators. Um, So, but before we get into that, I I wanted to, I've got a couple of quick updates myself that i want to uh talk about um the analog pocket i I got notification this is that's the handheld fpga system that i spent like 380 dollars on in uh august of 2020 and it is now as of recording the end of november 2021 that I will be getting that sometime between December 14th and December 30th. Wow. And I'm very excited about it. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll, I'll be talking about that for sure in an upcoming episode because it is very cool. Um, uh, yeah, that thing, I'm so jealous you were able to get your hands on one. I tried to get in there and get one, and it was like, forget it. Yeah. So the fact that you got in there, got one... You work miracles on these things. I still don't know how you have a PS5. Yeah. A year later, and I'm still trying to get one. So. Uh, yeah, they're hard to. There they're hard go. to get. I don't know how I've got these things either. <laughs> I should have put in. I should have tried for a pre-order on a Steam Deck too, but I didn't. Uh, you know, you know, and I did the Steam Deck, but I, I you know, I'm probably like wave 25. You know, <laughs> it, they don't tell you which. Right. You know, I got in there as quick as I could, but everybody else i'm sure and their dog got in there before me I, I that getting that zelda thing the game watch zelda that's one of the rare times where i got in before it sold out yeah I and mean, it sold out like within four hours and i somehow got in there in that four hour period and got one you know uh so i feel you know at least lucky enough that i got that but <laughs> that's probably i probably used my good luck karma for video games <laughs> for the next year already you know yeah uh this also i think qualifies for uh retro as we decided a few episodes ago 
I have I have my Xbox 360 pulled out and set up uh, because I wanted to watch Netflix movies and shows on a, this CRT I have um, in four by three, and my PS3 was having some trouble with like Cowboy Bebop in the proper yeah uh, in the proper screen yeah like it wasn't filling up the screen or in resolution or I don't even know what you'd call that, but it was. Yeah, it was like letterboxed on all sides. Anyway, so it's already plugged in and set up. And I went to a barcade the other day with my brother and um, played some Guitar Hero. And it got me hankering for a little bit of, you know, a little plastic guitar video game. Oh, totally. Uh, I've been there. And I... I was like, well, I got, I've got a plastic guitar in my, my, for the Xbox 360 in my, in my closet. And uh, lucky I, I lost mine in my move from Chicago. So uh, I'm jealous. Yeah. And I, uh, I've got a, I've got a plastic guitar video game for the Xbox 360 in that same closet. Nice. So I, I pulled out the plastic guitar and it was oozing battery acid that had since you know dried and and was a you know exploded battery so i i opened it up took the toothbrush and the alcohol to it and and brushed it all out and and wiped it up and and the plastic's a little like i don't know that it's ever gonna look like clean (laughs) plastic again but i don't care i got it working good and then i went into the closet to grab the video game and pulled the rock band 2 case out and opened it up and lo and behold the disc is missing i don't know where the disc is so really? yeah it's just gone Bummer. i i am i am notoriously a a disc returner for the for the cases i don't like to put you know some people like to pull them out and set them upside down some people just like no throw them around i i i'll have none of that in my house that's you and me both i am so glad that you and i have agreement on that we've never (laughs) discussed that before no i i it drives me crazy people having like games just sitting on the floor scratching them across the you know the vinyl kitchen floor you know just like like what are you doing you know why are you ruining your you know your games so i don't know what happened to it uh so I, I i went on ebay and i ordered a new disc only copy to put in my case uh mm. and that'll be here eventually but uh until then i've got i do have the beatles rock band to keep me company i guess until then but it is gotcha. not i like the beatles just fine but that's like yeah. i like the beatles but i i mean i think the beatles are great but i my parents didn't listen to them so i didn't get into them until i was in later days and so yeah i i honestly didn't even get that version you know it just didn't appeal to me personally it's i I bought it because it was like three bucks when our video store was going out of out of business so anyway i played a couple of songs on that and it's fine but i want some real rock band rock yes so anyway that's that's what i've been doing this late but let's talk about our favorite oh Oh, yeah sorry pause sorry me being the notorious interrupter, uh, you reminded me when you talked about your pocket. What is it again? Pocket the analog pocket. Analog pocket, which I'm, I am so excited just because I want to see it because I think it, it has immense potential, uh, and uh, yeah, really excited. But anyway, uh, we talked about 
uh, not on a podcast, but uh, one of the toys that I've wanted uh, for almost as long, if not a little longer, actually, is Clockwork Pies Dev Term, uh, which is a kind of a mini little terminal with a widescreen. Uh, you can look it up. It, it's 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 a neat little system. But one of the things that it can do is uh, you can switch out the the CPU. They kind of have they actually used a uh, uh, memory socket, a laptop memory socket, so you could flip in, you know, different. CPU, so you can put in a Raspberry Pi CPU. Forgive me, is this the Tandy thing? Yeah, this is the one that looks like the Tandy TRS eighty portable. Yes, yes, great. That's I wanted to make sure I was remembering right. You, hey, and you are good job. So that little unit, you know, I've been waiting for it for like a year and a half. Uh, I'm excited because you can do all sorts of emulation on it, and in fact, they are. looking at doing just all sorts of really crazy different uh, types of CPUs, including an FPRG uh, with a um, another processor so you can program it um, uh, in the future. Uh, I've been waiting probably as long as you have for that darn thing. And I've been promised and promised, oh, it's going to ship, it's going to ship. I finally got an official shipping notification it's coming from china so i'm probably got about three weeks but at least dhl it's not going by ship so i don't have to worry about that oh it's getting uh, air air shipped yeah dhl air shipped so uh, hopefully the next two weeks uh but i'm again it's something we'll talk about more in the future yeah uh in another another podcast for sure absolutely Uh, but absolutely let's get on to our 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 true topic Yes. So for our main topic, I thought today we could talk about our favorite emulators and our favorite features of those emulators. Um, This is by no means going to be comprehensive of all emulators. I think I'm just going to talk about some of the emulators I've used the most and what I like about them. And I think we can do the same. So I put some ideas in our document about what we can talk yes. about, but, uh, you know, you can stray off of those, of course. Yeah, I have some I wanted to add, but I kind of thought, you know what, we're as always, we're going to go with the flow because yeah, that's how yeah. you and I work. Absolutely. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what? I have to add, I think, first and foremost, I think I'll just talk about my, my introduction to emulators is probably Project 64. I was surprised you did not put that on there, actually. Me too. I don't know how I, I left it off. Because uh, I was definitely going to add it, but yeah. I'm glad you are too. So Project 64 was my first, and, you know, and we talked about it in a prior episode about how like sure. uh, emulators happened a lot quicker in the past. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was messing around with Project 64 in the mid 2000s not that long after the 64 uh was superseded by the gamecube just because i wanted to i you know i had gotten rid of through various mistakes as a child you know trading in my games was a thing that yeah it was such a common thing for people to sell the old system to buy Uh the new system and it's still you know know. you would sell all your games and and maybe you'd get close enough to buy just the system in one game but still that's unfortunately that's what 
I think many of us did. Yeah. Uh, and now sadly. I've since bought a bunch of those same games. Now you have all those systems back. Yes. You've uh, done well. But, uh, <laughs> well, my, my original N64 is actually sitting down here. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, with a modification to it. So uh, did you actually buy that back from somebody or no, did you no, it's, not I just, sell that I didn't one. get rid of it, but I did get rid of the games that I played on project 64, which was uh, Banjo Kazooie primarily. I don't know what, right. I have no idea. I don't think I sold it. I have no idea where that game disappeared to in my life weird but i i missed it and then had a a dell around the period of time when dell was was producing these commercials that was famous for say the the tagline in them was dude we're getting a dell so i had one of those dells in my basement and uh and was playing uh banjo kazooie on my pc on project 64 and back then, that was before they added a lot of the fancy functions and yes. features to emulators. Project 64 was pretty basic and was not extraordinarily accurate. But hey, I could play my game on it. Uh, and yeah. then that allowed me to expand. And I found Harvest Moon 64. I played a lot of that on the emulator. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's one I never got into. I'll have to check it out. It, you know, I, I don't know why, but that was just one of those ones I never. And it's that one's actually to. famously really expensive now to Is get a, and a genuine copy. They're like 200 a genuine bucks. Copy. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, uh. yeah, Project 64 still going strong 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think, you know, for me, uh, you know, I. I, of course, uh, being much older, uh, got in, you know, I was very lucky to get into emulation in the very early days, you know, NES, uh, Sega system, uh, ColecoVision, Atari, like Stella and things like that. And like you said, all of these at that time were really just like, can we emulate as best as we can? to specs you know it wasn't above spec there wasn't a lot of fancy features if it could do a screenshot that was pretty cool back in the day and you know project 64 was one of those ones like we talked about before it was just it was groundbreaking at that time it was a real shocker for people to go wow you know we're emulating a system that's almost you know it's just one generation behind and that was like the first time we'd ever seen that you know, a lot of these other systems were, you know, pretty old, you know, Nintendo, you know, we'd already seen Nintendo, Super NES, and then and then N64. So uh, NES emulation was great, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't as, as shocking or amazing as Project 64. And it was the first time that we saw high level emulation. And that was a, that was, that was totally new. You know, that was something that had, had really not been done. As far as I know, I don't think it had ever been done before on the other systems to be able to just emulate just the high level functions so that the the game would play uh, to the point of where you at least recognized it and you could enjoy it. That was pretty incredible uh, at the time. And of course, as things have gotten better, we can almost, you know, I, I think we can completely emulate 
the N64 now, if I understand correctly. But, uh, but I don't know. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I know enough about the reverse engineering process and and yeah, that totally. to be able to say. I know that we can we can run the N64 at at a, it, it, more yeah. than 100. I mean, Project speed. 64 still continues to just be uh, pretty amazing, and and now it. it you, you know they've added a lot of features like you uh you know to increase the resolution uh all sorts of filters and uh scan line type stuff but also uh i'm just struggling with words today but uh what do you call it when like you have edges and then you oh anti-aliasing anti-aliasing man i that literally just was not coming to my head but yeah anti-aliasing technology that that for me especially if you're not using any kind of scanline technology uh that was huge to be able to use anti-aliasing yeah well and now actually uh so like nso the nintendo switch online n64 is getting reamed a little bit for for uh how it emulates (laughs) and and like like now the 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 high standard of an emulator on like the n64 is like oh are you emulating it and giving options for the resolution at which it ran so that you can choose the anti-aliasing or not whereas the the nintendo switch is just like rendering those polygons at whatever here you go here's just a basic rendering and though. well and it's and it's doing like really clean lines that the n64 would have like hard cornered aliasing on it and yes. uh, and so now the the high bar of something like that is is options and getting to see it how you want um so yeah project 64 i think is, is a good one what about you what's what's what uh, what's a, a favorite of yours or an early favorite of yours? You know, an early favorite for me, uh, early favorite is probably Mame. Uh, Mame. Multi arcade machine emulation. Uh, that was again, uh, again, it was a game changer. It allowing you know not only just to do like. Uh, one arcade game but multiple arcade games in a single system that you could configure you know it had some pretty advanced features uh right off the bat but and it and of course it continues to this day you know 20 plus years later it's still going strong it can emulate even home systems now apparently i you know i've only played uh they integrated mame with mess which was a another uh which was more machine emulation systems uh so now you can emulate you know also just kind of everything in one big kind of a mess honestly which is kind of sad i really preferred mame when it was separate and i tend to stick with that uh there are builds where you can get just just mame uh and uh for me that was a big deal because uh there were a lot of arcade games that never got ported or were ported very poorly to the current gen systems. So, you know, uh, uh, Shinobi it would be a perfect example. Probably, you know, uh, one people are going to get tired of me talking about because it's one of my favorites, if not the f- most favorite uh, uh, video ga- arcade video game. But 
there were terrible ports. There was a PC port I tried. I was so excited. And it was like this little blob running around. You know, it, it didn't even look like a ninja. And oh, no. How do you feel about the Genesis port? So the the well the sega system the original sega system did a terrible port the sega master system the say thank you sega master system did a terrible port and again it was so frustrating the uh what was great about sega genesis is they decided not to make a port but make sequels and i really enjoyed those sequels uh they did uh they did like a shinobi 2 3 and uh the the arcade sequel uh with the dog like revenge of shinobi there's like uh yeah revenge of the shinobi was uh uh was one of the and it was only available on genesis and and that was one of the reasons i got a genesis was because i knew that they were going to be making uh sequels to to uh and they were great they did a great job on those but uh but to get Shinobi, the original Shinobi, <clears throat> really at the time, the only way you could get it was through emulation, and uh, and I was thrilled. I was thrilled when you could start emulating all, and, and very quickly, almost all the arcade games that I enjoyed as as a kid were available, uh, and uh, and so Mame is definitely one of my favorites. Uh... Early, early emulation system so i actually don't know enough about arcade machines Mm. but what i do know i think and correct me if i'm wrong if you know uh arcade machines had both unique computer systems yes amongst a variety of them but also some of them would share computer systems Yes. And would have game boards, which were almost right. like a whole second computer <laughs> that you plugged they in. They kind of were. They were like this yeah. huge board that was, could act almost like a cartridge almost. Yeah, could, it was like a cartridge, but it would be, I would think, closer to a cartridge with like a Super FX chip on the Super Nintendo that added additional functions and processing it, power and stuff, totally. right? Absolutely. So like... I was just looking it up because I've got this dumb joke on Twitter I've been doing for the past few days where where I've said that, why isn't Dig Dug a movie? Why isn't <laughs> Galaga a movie? That's why right. isn't Pole Position a movie? Uh, <laughs> and I just was being dumb. And I... Sure. Uh, but then in in order to research for that joke, I realized that like... I want to say it's Galaga. Uh, he actually uses the Pac-Man arcade board. board. It does. And, there... and it's just a different a game board that you plug into the Pac-Man arcade system. Yeah. And so MAME emulates like a bunch of those different arcade boards. And so it, it does. doesn't have to do all of them because like no. Galaga and Pac-Man are the same. Most in pole position and pole position. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there was kind of a, there was kind of like a set of like six or seven Atari type games that use that same board and just minor changes to, uh, be able to play like those, those different games, you know? And of course, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, 
you know, all those sequels were all the same thing. So those board, you know, that board, uh, uh, I think was pretty easy to emulate because once they figured out, okay, Pac-Man, they could turn around and just make the adjust the, the tweaks. And, and in fact, when Mame, when, when I got onto Mame, all those smaller, I call smaller games, but easier to emulate games were already available on it. You know, it was just like, boom, here's like 200 plus games. Now you can emulate like thousands and thousands of games on, right. on me. You know, I think it's like 8,000 something. That's the last time I looked, but you know, at the time it was like, yeah, 400 arcade machines. That's incredible. You know, it's like you had your own massive arcade at home, you know, and, uh, and yeah. you know, we've all played the Atari. Well, most of us have played the Atari Pac-Man from the 2600. Uh, yeah, I well, no, I have. I actually own it and okay. the Atari 2600 to play it okay, on. Okay, good. I, I own the cartridge, but of course I, I don't own the, the Atari anymore. But, uh, I, you know, I actually, as a kid, I actually liked it. Uh, yes, it was clearly not Pac-Man. The, you know, this was one of the first things where I was like, okay, this is definitely a port. <laughs> and yeah. for most people, it was a bad port. For me, uh, it was close enough that, you know, it got the basics. So I, and it, it was a basic game. So for me, I, I had a lot, and for Atari, you know, or for the 2600, I should be specific. That was actually pretty, pretty good for a 2600. You know, that thing didn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of power. So to even try to do Pac-Man was actually kind of bold of them, in my opinion. But, uh, uh, but clearly, you know, to get that, that original arcade experience at that time, there was just no way to do it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, until more advanced game system home systems came out that could do uh better ports you know they they really you know they definitely weren't emulated they the, they were doing ports for a very long time you know back in the 80s for sure but yeah well they got better. and you know this is a little bit of a side thing but it is it's kind Sorry. of funny no no that's that's i like this this is an interesting uh point that for a long time it was like pretty normal well, and I guess still it is normal that you would make it, you'd develop it. Actually, maybe a port is like the least normal thing now out of the various yeah. options, right? Because like when you develop a game, you either develop like a multi-platform right. version, right? So like you're using like Unreal Engine 5 or something and you True. basically develop one version that compiles for the different, the different systems, system. but also the different systems these days aren't very different. <laughs> No, the PlayStation no, no. Five and the Xbox Series platforms are like not very different. They're both x86 infrastructures, and they're in not. In fact, they're both using AMD processors right. for crying out loud. And they're not they're even they're that using... different from just build the PC. So, like when you when you yeah. use Unreal Engine or Unity or something like that, and you hit the, it's not this. I'm way oversimplifying it, but like you build the same game, yeah. and then you you export and compile for each of those systems and it includes the various like platform specific like integrations and APIs for the OS exactly. that they're on and all of that. But, but basically you don't port something where, yeah, you know, ports was, yeah. Back in the day you had to program from scratch. You looked at the game and basically yeah. tried to make a version of that game. And but sometimes maybe you code. like got the, 
uh, maybe some sprites. Yeah, or you got like maybe the source code you could look at. Sure. And sure. depending on on who you were working with, uh, of course, sometimes there were like uh, unofficial ports that happened, and they they just looked at the original game and then just tried to hand repeat and make the same thing. Right. Uh, so porting is now not very common, I would say. Uh, no. But then also, it's it's interesting to me that when you do port something to That's a new system, it's kind of a dead art, really. Yeah, I mean, not entirely, but yeah. It's, it is you know, because well, you know, porting like, now, computers have gotten so powerful and the systems have gotten so powerful that when you port, yeah. you know, I'm using scare quotes here, when you port an old game to a new system, they don't port it at all. They emulate it. Sure. And which I don't think sure. is a bad thing. No. I'm just saying, no, like, I oh, think we've you get gotten... the most realistic experience from, you know, an emulation layer versus porting. I mean, yeah, there's different. There's a difference. There's a trade-off, right? Like it's a trade-off because I mean, there were sometimes ports. Some ports were better than the originals. Yes, or exactly. one port was way better. Like you know, the Game Boy version of this game really was awesome compared to the say the Atari Twenty Six Hundred or yeah. the the Sinclair version or or whatever whatever. But I got an eBay update about my rock band purchase <laughs> oh, nice. uh nice. yeah porting was uh was something that happened all the time and, and anyway i i just i just think this stuff is interesting um it I, is yeah it's kind of a side topic but we could talk about you know ports are something that i mean we could really we could almost do an episode on this i mean i'll mm-hmm. have to think about it a little more but you know as we've talked about before we both enjoy the UK magazine, uh, retro, retro, gamer. retro gamer. And, uh, one of the things I love about that is they often talk to authors of ports mm-hmm. of video games. And I, you know, at first I was kind of like, eh, what's this? You know, I wasn't really interested, but once I started reading how these people had to, you know, come up with very creative ways to port a game around, you know, especially a complicated arcade game down to a very simple home system at the time. They really did some amazing tricks to get that game to work or look and run as well as it could uh, on that particular system. And then they even rate the ports that are out there for a particular game. And that's that's really cool because, uh, uh, again, I think we could have a much bigger conversation on on some of this. I, I didn't really think about how in a lot of ways uh, until you brought it up that, that it's just not as common, if not, you know, near non-existent anymore. Yeah. Uh, in, a, I, in that type of, in that form, I said. Yeah. I've say. added to our idea list um, ports and, and I actually. Cool. One and two of the idealists is like in parentheses there. We should, we did, we should compile a list of, of ports specifically. We want to talk about, but one of those just to top it off as a teaser for later is Donkey Kong 94, which is a Game Boy, scare quotes again, port of Mm. the original Donkey Kong arcade game. Uh, But it's so much more interesting than that. And I'll have to tell you about it when we do our ports episode. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm ignorant. So I look forward to that. episode. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it is 
endlessly interesting. Honestly, we could maybe do an entire episode on Donkey Kong 94. Anyway, wow. let's move on to uh, some yeah, more of the emulation topic, stuff. Uh, one that you didn't put on here that uh, that I would add is both the the PCSX uh, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. So the emulator for the PS1 and the PlayStation 2 emulator. Uh, both of those... Uh, add some really awesome advanced features. Again, a lot of things we like, filters, anti-aliasing, incredibly high resolutions versus what the originals could do. Uh, Of course, they've been ported to many other systems for uh, portable gaming, uh, so that's exciting. The PlayStation 2, not as much because it is a little bit more powerful. Uh, Well, definitely a more powerful system over the PlayStation 1, but... uh, on a PC, for example, uh, PlayStation 2 emulation is near perfect and, in fact, is better in a lot of ways because of the enhanced resolutions and things like that. So for a person like me who never – I I would – the PS2 is a, a system I didn't own. A lot of my friends had it, so I played at their house or whatever. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm not even sure – I don't know if it was cost or some, or what, but I just, uh, I just, yeah, I just never got into that system until, until it was too late. So uh, being able to do emulation of that system uh, is a lot of fun for me, especially being able to play like old Final Fantasy games and things like that. Yeah. Do you, do you play with those at all? I do. Not as, not a ton. Uh, honestly, I went through a phase it's not that much i went through a phase which is the last five years of my life where i've been trying to catalog my own video game collection in a digital format and so like i don't know probably about a year ago i whipped out my ps2 collection and and it's not huge Mm. it's you know like a dozen games or so uh so i whipped out my ps2 collection uh pulled out my dvd drive that is USB because I don't have one built into my PC because who needs it? Right. And right. Uh, it's actually I a have Mac. An external as well. It's That's a right. Mac external super drive that I wow. use. Wow. <laughs> uh, because I, I rolled a MacBook Air a long time ago. Uh, wow. Anyway, uh, the uh, I whipped out my PS2 collection and and ripped them all and then i i, I downloaded our uh, pcsx2 i think and yeah, uh yeah pcx2 yeah yeah and and i i i Tried loaded it up and yeah i the one in particular i have harvest moon a wonderful life deluxe edition wow for the playstation 2 that was just a monster with load times and really? uh and you know it's nice with an ssd in my oh, pc yeah. you know it goes a lot faster because load times are not nearly a problem you know that's a really important piece to this emulation is not only do we improve resolutions and filters and all that good stuff uh at being able to load times in general whether it's on a, even a a platter drive is still better than running it off of a DVD drive or a CD-ROM drive. But even better, like you just said, throw those games on an SSD and, you know, they they just, 
they just load near instantly, which is awesome uh, to, because load times was a, you know, man, that was such a big deal on, I mean, it, it's still a big deal. I mean, yes, finally the next, this generation of systems went SSD, which is a super exciting. Uh, but even now people still talk about load times. Uh, and so that's a huge factor on whether people enjoy games or whether they enjoy an emulated version of a game. Uh, it could be a total difference. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's some, like some emulators loading from a format that isn't the original optical format, uh, actually can have a problem with, uh, like it has to emulate drive speed in order to not run into problems. So like run into too fast or yeah. Yeah. So there, there's actually, uh, most of them have like a option to emulate optical drive speed for load times so that it doesn't run into problems. Um, and that's, that's smart. I mean, although I don't know if I had to do that, I would get annoyed with that pretty quick. Well, so usually, yeah, usually you just leave it off unless you run into a problem and then you just turn it on for that game. And that's the, and that's, that's a, that's a good point too, is that, uh, a lot of games that were unique or there were games that even had problems on the original systems that, you know, when emulating it, it was even harder, of course, but then a lot of times they found fixes for yep. those or tweaks, just like you're saying, you know, you could flip this on for particular games and it would allow you to play the game better uh, than the original system that half the time failed or failed to load or crashed where the emulation fixed it. One of my favorite examples of this is in the decompilation project for Super Mario 64. They realized that uh, when you jump in Super Mario 64, when you jumped in the fire uh, or in in like lethal lava land, for example, you jump in the lava and you you come out and and Mario's hurt. You hurt. He's running around because he's got a hot bum and there's like smoke coming off of him. Yes. And that texture always looked a little funky, but you didn't think much of it, whatever. Yeah. it's actually that that file was loaded in wrong or corrupted or something. And so in the decompilation project, they realized that if they like uh, changed, flipped the bits on it or something like that, that in in the emulation with the, with the flipped bit, the, the texture was a more classic smoke image that that you'd think of with, with, uh, with that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, Love so it. even even stuff that's really not <laughs> technically a problem, uh, you know, they, yeah. they, they find fixes in it years later Perfect. when they're emulating it and tearing things apart and putting them back together again. I think we would be remiss to talk about one of, I think, the greatest contemporary emulators, <laughs> and that is Dolphin. Yes, yes. Dolphin is a it's originally a GameCube emulator, but has since included the Wii because those uh, platforms are so very similar. Uh, now, can't it do Wii U as well now? No, or that's I... Simu, I believe. Oh, you're right. Forgive me. Simu. Yeah, that's right. But Yeah, because the Wii U actually emulated the Wii, uh, whereas the Wii 
was crazy. not an emulated it was not emulating the gamecube the gamecube was basically just the same architecture cpu in it and it just wow yeah um and yes you're right i totally agree with you those being able to emulate gamecube uh and and the wii too honestly i was never a big fan of the control systems for wii yeah uh you know they were fun for about an hour and then you know i just wanted a regular controller so being able to adapt the the keys to a regular controller for almost any game out there on for the wii uh was a huge win for me and and dolphin gave us that yeah dolphin dolphin lets you remap controls it lets you i mean this is a pretty standard emulator function to remap controls but but for the wii for it's the Wii, huge. though, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, and you can even do, if you really like the stupid controllers, you can even connect them via Bluetooth yes. and run them, too. Yep. So if you're really stuck on those controllers, you can still use those. Yeah, but... That's pretty cool. You can get, with the, with, with the Dolphin emulator, you can get an, uh, uh, an experience that is just beyond, far beyond what you can get on, a, on, on hard, in some ways, on original hardware yes by upscaling it you can get texture replacement dolphin this is the first time i fiddled with uh texture uh enhancement or replacement um and so you can get people are out there making texture packs that replace the original textures in a game uh some of them are handcrafted texture packs some of them are AI upscaled texture packs so that they just do the whole game in 4K textures and uh, you drop them into Dolphin. And then then you do the anti-aliasing, so it's rendering all the polygons at like a much higher fidelity. And uh, they're just, you're getting just an enhanced experience. Uh, That's right. uh, And yeah, you can map your original wii controller to your pc or mac and uh and then emulate it with a with better with better textures better resolutions i remember i remember uh uh, the super mario galaxy games uh Mm -hmm. being able to play that at the time i had a 1440p monitor but being able to run it at that resolution and I kind of went with whatever the recommended filters were at the time, but it just ran and looked gorgeous, yeah. you know, uh, compared to the 720p that you would get on the original Wii. Uh, I, no? did the Wii I think the Wii capped at 480p. Oh, I think you're right. 480p. It had yeah. a widescreen, but it was a 4, 480p widescreen. Yeah. That's right. My bad. Man, that's terrible. I know. That's amazing. I can't believe, you know, I feel like 720p is so ancient that it, it, it which is sad. Well, well it's the, not. The Switch runs at 720p, so. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's such, that's a whole nother episode once right, again. Right, 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 right. We could, because that's, yeah, I've got a lot of angst on that one too. But, uh, <laughs> but you're right. 480p, my bad. So anyway. yeah, it looked it looked it just looked great at 1440p and that blew my mind, you know. Well, and uh there's a little bit of a side deal here, but like the 
I think Nintendo, one of Nintendo's greatest, te- Nintendo technically, they they are not, they are not the technical wizards no. that some other no. places are, but their art, I think, stands the test of time better than most. And so it's when you true. take great art like The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker or even more so, you know, uh, Mario Galaxy or yeah. some of the other Zelda games, because um, actually Wind Waker runs, I think, looks fantastic at a, at a, at a lower resolution, too. But uh, yeah. the, the like Mario, Mario Galaxy, you, you can take that same art and just upscale it and it looks so fantastic because they've got such great art and so some of these emulators can really bring out something that is already great yes because the the, because the games are so good underneath that's right yeah it's you know if you know if it if it if it starts out i mean you can't upscale crap i mean i'm sure you can but it doesn't it it, it's still going to be crap and you know uh that reminds me that i would say is the metroid prime games Mm. you know they were so gorgeous yes Uh, that's a great example the the graphics yes they were once again 480p oh but when you upscale that because they were so gorgeous at 480p you can you can upscale that and it's it looks amazing because just like you said the layer of uh, the original the original source was so good and so beautiful that uh it works and that's that's really neat and and yeah for nintendo that is that is one thing i will absolutely give them because they often uh are technologically behind you know which is yeah. which is so interesting because you know in my day with the Nintendo, the original Nintendo, they were miles ahead of everybody else. The Nintendo just blew everybody out of the water. And uh, it was the first time where you could have a near arcade experience, you know, uh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, they, you know, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, Genesis, Sega Genesis leapfrogged a little bit. And then they came back with the Super NES, and it wasn't more advanced, really. I mean, yes, it had some cool tricks to it, but once again, they came back with so many great games that they eventually beat out Sega, which had a huge, huge gain uh, by the time they released the Super Nintendo. Uh, but after that, it's been <laughs> it's been uh, behind the times. Well, I want to say the N64 was the last time they truly yeah. they truly were reaching for the absolute limits. That's true. Yeah, you're right. It really it was you're right. It was But the, they didn't I don't think the, that Nintendo the, became the Nintendo we know today of making like yeah. scraping the bottom of the technological barrel until the right. Wii. And I think that the 64, you know, probably their biggest mistake was the fact that they, they used cartridges still where everybody else was going to CD-ROM and, uh, and again, that's, I think how Sony 
uh, was able to, even though it was a lesser, less powerful system, they were able to uh, gain popularity over over the Nintendo 64, uh, yeah, unfortunately. But, anyway, uh, yeah. I want to talk about two more things before we wrap it up. Netplay, uh, which yeah. is which is something that even Nintendo is messing around with in their official emulators on Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, right. But there are tons of games that, you, that, that were intended originally for couch co-op or, or game boy link system type oh, stuff yeah. yeah i remember those that's local just, wi-fi even yeah that's just not feasible today um no. you know well, i mean especially I guess in a be, covid but, era yeah. <laughs> being able to do uh net play has become for a lot of people I, honestly i i i'm not I don't play a lot of games co-op, so I'm I'm yeah. I'm not one of those people. But I remember when Netplay first came out, started coming out for Mame and for Nintendo mm-hmm. systems, and it was a huge ad. I mean, it was so fun playing Contra with a friend that lived in Ohio and yeah. I lived in, you know, and I lived in Chicago. It was just like that's so cool, you know. It's just that's amazing that we could play that game, and the input was fast enough that we could play a two player game on screen at the same time and with no lag, you know, that was incredible. Yeah. I think it's really cool that they're adding features like this. Uh, you know, I've played like uh, Mario golf on um, dolphin with oh, a friend fun. during COVID. Nice. Cause that's a great game for that's a, net that's play a... because it's a, it's a turn-based type thing. So like smart <laughs> latency is not really a big deal, but even no. then, when talking about netplay uh there's things like slippy which are like uh, i believe it's based off of dolphin hmm. because it's a super smash brothers melee rollback netcode patch wow. for smash melee that that is basically an emulated version of of melee that uh cool that adds a net play component that is better than what wow. nintendo's shipping on the newest version of smash brothers amazing and that's, that's so awesome it's just it, it's, it's one it's of those things slippy slippy s-l-i-p-p-i and nintendo ah, doesn't love okay. it because they'd rather you buy the new version of smash brothers than play the 20 year old version that's out uh being played by thousands i guess which for many people it's i mean in japan you know that that is such a classic you know i don't think they're ever going to be able to do a better one you know because it just it was so so loved i mean i think the newer ones are great but i love the idea that people are would rather play the older one you know that makes me kind of smile and kind of happy actually yeah, well, Nintendo's finally <laughs> started to uh, Nintendo's finally started to realize that maybe they're not going to be able to outrun this uh, this this melee so. thing, and because they're they're actually officially endorsing a, a melee tournament, so really they they maybe have wow, given up the ghost on fighting it, which that's is great. Shocking. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. The other thing I want to talk about is save states. Safe states are yes. just a, an invaluable part of emulating systems now. Uh, again, Nintendo has included it for years as part of their uh, 
official emulators, but uh, they've been in emulators for decades now. Yeah, I mean, even the original, you know, but you know that early Nintendo emulation systems. One of the first thing that was one of the first ads was save states, mm-hmm. and oh, that was so huge because. Yeah, it was a game changer. You know, for for a long time, you either paused the game, left your Nintendo on for days if you, you know, if you couldn't come back to it, uh, or you powered it off and that was it. Or even worse, and I'll I'll use Zelda as an example. Uh, Zelda was one of the first RPG games that I got into. So again, the Game and Watch system was very exciting to see that release, but they they didn't have uh memory at the time had to have power constantly going through it so to save a game they had to use a battery inside the actual cartridge as i'm sure we all know zelda is actually one of the very first examples of a battery-based save system and it you know it was the fact that you could even save was just was so cool because before that you would get a complicated code spit out on your screen and then you'd have to re-enter that complicated code to, right. you know, which at least that was something. But to the still... kids, like my son listening oh. to this eventually, maybe like you didn't have a phone in your pocket that you could just whip out, take a picture of and, and get no. back into like, you, you had, had to, to like write it down on a piece of paper. Paper. You've lost that paper. Tough luck. You, yeah. you won't be able to resume from where you left off. But, uh, you know, two problems with that Zelda game was, of course, the battery eventually could die and and your save states are gone forever. The other thing is, is that like my sister did, she put the when you when on a Nintendo, you would plug in the uh, cartridge and then you had to press it down to press power. My sister would hit the power first, press down and whammo. Uh, a Zelda game I'd been working on for about six months died. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, you know, I wasn't obviously good at RPGs cause you know, I, and I was a kid, I mean, really, truly. So, uh, I was really taking my time on that game cause I was playing a lot of other wonderful Nintendo games as well. But to just, I, I, I think that was probably one of the biggest freakouts I had as a kid is when I lost that Zelda save, you know, uh, it was heartbreaking. I, hold on, I have to. I have. We have to pause. I have to get. I have to get something. I'll. I'll be right back. I have in my hands uh, a original Legend of Zelda for the NES copy in my hands, and I just the beautiful I, gold. The gold. I just it's a gold cartridge. Gold yeah. cartridge. Yes. Which is not all that rare, but no. But it just at the time it was rare. I mean. Yeah, it, it was unique. For sure. It was unique at the time, yeah. So on the back, there is a message that is not on other NES cartridges. It says, this game pack contains batteries. It may be damaged if, one, the game pack is removed or inserted with the power on. Or two, the power switch is turned rapidly on and off. Wait. In red, it says, if you are saving your game information for later play, you must hold in the reset button on the control deck while turning off the power. Failure to do so may result in the loss of your stored game information. Wow. I totally forgot it had that message on the back. It did, but 
I think the most interesting thing is that I didn't do this. I don't know that I, any, never did that I, I don't reset. know anyone I held the did. reset button in. No, it, I, I I don't even know what that would actually do or why it would help. Uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. I uh, but, I could be wrong about this, but I believe that the power button is a switch that that stays. It, it basically completes the stir- circuit, and due to the spring system in it, it leaves the circuit completed. And then when it's off, when you move it to the off position, it it no longer completes the circuit. Yeah, it's like yanking it's like yanking the power out of the wall. I mean, yeah, and the reset pretty... button is just a temporary circuit incompleter, right? When you when you've pushed the yes. reset button in, it incompletes the circuit, and when you let go, it the circuit is complete again. Yes. I don't think that there's a functional difference between turning the power button off and just that being it and resetting the, hitting the reset right. button and then turning I mean, the only it, thing it's think... going to do is it's going to quickly give it power again but why that would matter with a battery operated save system doesn't make sense to me but okay yeah I anyway never, i never did that yeah so that's that's what it says on the back of this uh now that's, that's cool i'm glad you found that <laughs> now i have I don't believe that this one's quite as different. Uh, so, so we're here six years later or whatever. This is a SNES copy of The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past that I hold in my hands. And on the back of it, it says, do not rapidly turn the power switch on and off. Don't touch the edge connector with your fingers. You got to clean the cartridge regularly. They had an official cleaning kit you could buy. It doesn't say anything about this reset nonsense. So, wow, and 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 uh, same with the Game Boy games as well. uh, Well, that was just a switch. Game Boy games, which uh, had uh, uh, sorry battery backed up saves, and uh, in fact, that was the I have. multiple times gone in and replaced those but of course you lose your saves unless you have a save backup system uh which thankfully they do make those or they used to make them oh no they they definitely do and i you know so i back up all my saves on almost every system uh uh, portable system i i have some kind of backup for those now which is so sad you're traumatized as a child and now you must protect your saves now I have saves everywhere. Yeah. You know, I've got them in the cloud. You know, it's like people yeah. with pictures. I've got save states everywhere. But yeah. I love you're you're so right. Going back to the original thing of being able to save a game, not only protected where you were at, but allowed you to stop at any point and yeah. resume from where you left off, which was such a was such a new thing. You know, all the way. I mean, Sega Genesis didn't have it. Did did didn't. Nintendo 64? Oh, it did. Nintendo 64 had save states for certain games like Mario 64. Did it save, it save files? Where, uh, like in the car, the battery backups in the cartridge. Did did Nintendo 64 use a battery backup, or yes. did it actually finally have memory? No, like in the saved. in the N64 they had two, they had two battery. means. So if you were willing to, sh- if you were a developer or publisher willing to shell out you would 
have uh, a battery backup, battery-based save. If you weren't willing to shell out, the N64 provided a means for you to offload that problem to the user in the by means of a memory card that plugged into the back of the controller. Yes, yeah. That also was a battery backup. Wow. Battery-based wow. save system, I should say. So, yeah, batteries, I mean, just, you know, just being able to save and not have to worry about a battery, mm-hmm. that alone was huge. But it, but also, of course, being able to save anywhere you want, which even nowadays is still a problem with modern freaking video games, is that so yep. many games still don't let you save when you want to save. And I don't get that because... I know they say, oh, it changed the game experience, but yes, for a positive, because everybody wants to be able to save when they want to save. End of story, you know? Well, yeah. So well, not end of story. Yeah, it's... yeah. I think there's there's two things to mention here. First, I want to give a breakdown of the technical. I know we're running way over time now. Uh, there's a technical breakdown yeah. of uh, uh, that I just a quick one I want to give of uh, save states. Save states are different from regular saves in that, yes, you can save anywhere. And how it does it is that it... And save states work on games that don't have save functions, too. That's right. Because it's not using a save system in the game. What it does, I believe, most of them, actually just take a snapshot of Of what is uh, currently in the memory. And then it loads the game with that memory state so that it is basing its information off of the same memory so i believe there is some amount of of work that has to go into like not just what's in the memory because a game boot cycle can't just look at memory and go oh you were right in the middle of this it also has to like yeah i think it has to kind of boot in the background get the game to where or or it tricks the game into the rom into saying okay you know you've started you're ready yeah. to go and here's here's where we're here's where you begin so and, it, it, and it tricks it yeah so it saves a little additional information about the cpu cycles or whatever uh yeah, honestly it's beyond way my, beyond my understanding most of what clearly. it's doing is saving the memory that's currently in ram yes and which is and, so cool yeah. i love that and and that's you know how you can get basically a snapshot in time saved yeah. so that you can return to it and this does functionally break a lot of really old games because they were like deliberately built a little bit uh, obtusely so that yes you had to yeah. spend more time on them uh by you know you could get 80% of the way through it and then die and you'd have to start at square one again because they wanted you to spend that time going all the way through the game so that you couldn't beat it in a rental or right. you felt like you got a lot of value for the money you spent on a medium that was quite expensive. Absolutely. Yes. And that's very true. And with safe states, other... you can beat a game in 30 minutes or so <laughs> for yeah. a game that was designed and, you know, for... for hours and hours and hours. And for me, who loves video games but isn't great at them, 
it's a perfect world for me also and i had never really used this before i have to say until switch started doing it but a lot of emulators do this too is beyond save states they allow you to fast forward or rewind yep and you know rewinding is just like well vhs good old videotapes it literally can just take you back through where you were so if you die you can learn from it immediately go back to where you're safe and try immediately again right yeah. you know with not not even having to load a save state or anything you just rewind go and press play and there you go uh for games like shinobi that get insanely hard towards the end yeah. uh uh it allowed me to beat it of course uh and because uh, I could always get to the boss, you know, on a single quarter, I could get to the final boss, but I could not beat that bo last boss. But being able to learn the tricks uh, mm -hmm. was so much fun versus reading about it or trying to figure out online how to do it. Uh, using the rewind feature, I could self-teach myself how to how to how to beat the boss. And that was really such a unique and fun thing that I'm glad that uh has been added as a feature ad yeah anyway wow in short yeah, we've done good yeah uh i guess to wrap ourselves up not in short yeah. in long emulators yes. are cool and i'm glad they exist and there's so many of course you know and i know uh for our listeners i'm sure we didn't mention a thousand of the greatest oh, yeah. emulators out there there are so many great ones uh and if Obviously, we went over time just talking about the ones that. Uh, There's ones I had listed them. here I didn't mention. Yeah, we didn't get we didn't even get to the ones we had listed. So, uh, I get yes, emulation is awesome, and there are so many great, wonderful emulators out there, uh, and it's it, it's definitely an exciting time to be into emulation. Yeah. Well, as always. Thanks for joining. Uh, yes. We would love to hear anybody out there listening, uh, your feedback, and you can reach us at retroresPod at gmail.com. And also, I still sometimes uh, try to stream on twitch.tv slash press left. Uh, I'm trying to get into a new regular pattern where I stream twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays at seven ish PM Pacific. Fun. Uh, life often has been getting in my way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to try and get more regularly into that Mondays. I'm trying to do more retro stuff and Thursdays. I'm trying to do somewhat more modern stuff. Um, mm. uh, but uh, yeah, so join me over at twitch.tv slash press left and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks again.